When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. This is Football Social Daily. Welcome to Football Social Daily, the award-winning Premier League podcast. All of the latest news and opinion discussed on this show, so hit subscribe or follow now to never miss an episode. Has this been the most boring January transfer window ever? Are clubs scared to put their hands in their pockets for fear of the dreaded profit and sustainability rules? We'll be tackling that question on today's show, as well as looking at Pochettino's progression to a Wembley final. Can he finally break the duck and win a first trophy in English football with Chelsea? And for a bit of fun, we're going to do a little quiz as well. Thanks for joining us on today's show. My name's Niall and joined as ever by Joel Tudor and Marley Anderson. How are you doing, boys? Yeah, doing all right. Not too, uh, not too bad. The nerves started to kick in yet. Nerves? I would be nervous if I was about to become a father. I don't know why. Uh, I don't know, mate. It's a, it's a strange sort of feeling, really, because um, you, you, you don't know what's going to happen. <laughs> um, a baby's going to appear. <laughs> I know. And then everyone's like, you're going to be so tired. And that's like, I know, but how do you prepare for that? You can't prepare for being tired. Like, I'm not going to purposely make myself tired. By sleep, waking up every two hours just as like training. It's weird. All right. Well, welcome to Football Social Daily. If you've just joined us for the first time, then we are a Premier League podcast discussing all of the latest news and opinion from the top flight of English football. But the problem we've had over the last couple of days is there's not really been loads to talk about. On Monday, of course, the big discussion was Ivan Tony's return to the Premier League. Yesterday, we spoke about Manchester United picking up a new chief executive who will arrive in the summer from Manchester City. So you can just scroll back in the timeline to find those two previous episodes this week. But we thought even with the January transfer window open, it's been a little bit quiet. So we'll do things a little bit differently today. We'll field some of your questions. And Marley will also be the quiz master a little bit later. He'll be putting me and Joel through our paces. So stick around for that. But first, we need to talk about last night's Carabao Cup semi-final. Joel, we discussed how Chelsea had work to do at Stamford Bridge if they were going to make it through to Wembley. Maurizio Pochettino, of course, has got a lot of stick over the years for never winning a trophy in English football, but he's one step closer now. We said Middlesbrough will feel like they can turn up and cause a, cause a few problems at Stamford Bridge and kind of prey on the insecurity that Chelsea fans have felt recently. But it was Michael Carrick's prediction of seeing the best version of Chelsea against his side that came true because they absolutely blew Borough away, didn't they? Yeah, and to be fair, they went quite strong with the lineup. I think Pochettino realises that this is probably the best high that Chelsea can experience this season, to be honest, because, I mean, the FA Cup's still a long way to go until you can start to decide who's going to get it to the final. But like I mentioned in yesterday's podcast, I mean, the Carabao Cup, even for United last season, it was just a good high point. It was a good feel you know, a day out trip for the fans, a day at Wembley. I mean, it doesn't happen often for most clubs. And I think for Chelsea, with the position that they're in at the moment, this is, like I said, the best opportunity that they can possibly have to just have a decent amount of something to cheer for this season. But you look at Chelsea's squad at the moment and 
the lineup that they started. Cole Palmer again with two goals and no penalties, which means that he's clearly on the up because the other penalties that he's had in the past has pretty much made up his um his goal count for Chelsea this season. But it was it was just a convincing win. I mean, everyone's looking at this game like it's a massive surprise with the money that Chelsea have pumped into that squad and the talent they had on show there yesterday. That should have been almost a formality, and that's what we've been accustomed to Chelsea over the past few years, but it'll be a very, very interesting final if uh, Liverpool do end up uh, beating Fulham to make it to the final. I think it'll be a really close one. I wonder whether Cole Palmer was listening to yesterday's Football Social Daily, because Marley was like, oh, he only scores penalties, and then he turns up and puts on another spellbinding performance. he scores two goals against the Championship side. (laughs) Woohoo! All hail Cole Palmer. <laughs> he's better than Anthony Gordon. No, he's not. Cole Palmer is better than Anthony Gordon. No. <laughs> no, I'm only joking. Um, he's, he's a good player, but I just think, like, if, you t- if you're talking about England and we play, like, 4-3-3, where does he get in that team? Does he get ahead of Saka on the right? Does he get ahead of, you know, Foden, Grealish, Rashford if he's in form? I just I'm not quite sure where he plays. That's all. Whereas I think, no, that's fair enough. I think because you could ask the same question about Madison as well. Yeah, and even Madison's had to move out to the left for England, where he doesn't doesn't really play. Um, and as well, if we play with the number ten, who do you pick, Madison or Palmer? You you know you, you're not quite you're not quite sure. But he's 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 a quality player. Um, I think he would have had an impact for Man City this year, but he backed himself and he's gone to gone to Chelsea, stuck himself on penalties, and I think he's on double figures now. So. Um, I think with uh, with that, it's um, it's worked out for him so far. So fair play. You mentioned momentum, Joel, and what being in a cup final can do to you in terms of giving you a little boost. But now they'll have to wait another month at least before they can walk out at Wembley and take on either Fulham or Liverpool in the final. Last year, Manchester United won it. They came up against the Newcastle side who kind of stumbled their way through that four or five week period between the semi-final and the final. Sometimes fans keep one eye on that and you kind of lose focus on the task at hand. And Chelsea have been poor in the Premier League this season and they can't afford to let their form slip in the league just because they've reached a cup final. I think it's probably more important for Pochettino than it is for Chelsea as a club, to be honest, this one, because let's not forget, he's never won a trophy in England. So I think he'll be looking at this with 10 times the magnitude in terms of how important it is for him. But like you've mentioned, the fact that they're struggling so much in the league, it actually might buy him a little bit of time. Because if he can win a trophy in February and then even if their form starts to decline, he's almost got that credit in the bank of, you know, he's brought in silverware at Chelsea at a pretty difficult period. Uh, and it happens time and time again at so many different clubs, well, apart from City when they won it, what was it, five times in a row or something. But I can only go off last season where even during that period when United were playing really, really well and after it, it seemed to just capitulate, it was just a really good feel factor around the club. And I think that's what Chelsea need with this, but it won't be an easy final if they come up against Liverpool because, again, they'll be thinking the exact same thing, which is that this could be a momentum booster for our team, silverware. But I think for Chelsea, it just I think it's necessary for Chelsea just because of how young the squad is to win something together. I think it's a really pivotal moment in a team, a young team's journey together. So I think for Chelsea and for Poch, is, I'd say it's probably high on the agenda. As you say, it's between Liverpool and Fulham to face Chelsea in the final at Wembley. Liverpool have the advantage with a slender lead over the London club going into that second leg of the semi. I just wanted to talk about Liverpool, actually, because this time two or maybe three years ago, Marley, we were talking about Liverpool doing a quadruple. 
Liverpool are top of the Premier League. They've got a chance to get into a cup final. Obviously, we're still early doors in the FA Cup. They're in the Europa League this time, not the Champions League, but they're expected to do well in that. Why is there not talk of Liverpool winning multiple trophies at this stage of the season when that was the case a few years ago? People were talking about it. What What's the difference this time? Um, probably that De Bruyne is coming back for Man City and so is Haaland. So everyone expects them to to uh, to kick on. But um, yeah, I don't know. Maybe it's it's a combination of things probably. They, they don't look as ruthless as they have in the past. Um, I think when they had Firmino, Mane and Salah up front and they were in their prime and, you know, scoring goals for fun, I just thought, you know, the the sort of narrative around them, around them was like this 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 team can wipe anyone off the face of the earth completely in terms of ninety minute ninety minute games. Um, whereas this time it's a it's a bit more hard work. They haven't looked incredible as yet, but they've they've picked up wins to, um, you know, to get by and obviously the top of the league, top of the league. So you can't really say they're not a very very good side. It's just we I think we're used to seeing them. What we all sort of think is a better Liverpool side than this one. The one that got 97 points or 98 points and came second in the league. Um, the one that won the Premier League title in COVID. The one that won the Champions League um, recently as well. Probably all better sides than this Liverpool side. But as as of right now, they should absolutely win the Europa League. Um, they should win the Carabao Cup because even though Chelsea have got there and done well to get there, they're still going to start that game as a second favourites. Um, and they probably won't have fully turned the corner by the time February, the whatever rolls around. Um, so yeah, there's um, there's definitely a very successful season Liverpool can have. They should win the Europa League. There's no doubt about it. Um, and you know, it depends what comes out of the Premier League. How how mu- much yardage can City reel them in with when they've got fully fit De Bruyne back and Haaland back in training? Um, can they kick on and, and reel them in as we kind of all expect? Can we do? Can they do that? And then Liverpool's season will become like right. Let's win the Europa League and let's win the Carabao, um, and we'll go from there. Because if they get to the final, and I know we are writing off Fulham here, but they do have the advantage, Liverpool. And presuming that they do keep it tight, get the win over two legs, and end up at Wembley, you'd expect them to beat Chelsea because they're the better side right now. I know it's not quite as simple as that. Chelsea's still got good players, but if they win that, they're still top of the Premier League. We could be talking about Liverpool winning major silverware on more than one account, Joel. Way too early. Way, 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 way too early. We see it every single season. I mean, especially with City, there's always the quadruple talk that usually happens just for a Carabao Cup game. And then you would start to see them grind into a halt in terms of the competitions. Obviously, apart from last season, which was a bit of a freak one. But it's just so difficult to predict that they can take the lot because there's always going to be one game in one competition where it all starts to fall apart. Usually the Champions League, really. I think that's the biggest one. Yeah, but they're in the Europa League, like Marley says, and they're one of the best teams in it. To be fair, I think the Europa League is a great opportunity for them. They're easily the strongest team in there by a good distance. But I think the Premier League for them, it has to be the priority. I would even go as far as saying that Klopp should be looking at the Premier League as one where it can't be touched and any other competition that maybe affects his squad in terms of their fatigue or resting players, he needs to rest it for the Premier League because Liverpool need, I think they need another Premier League, especially in the position that City are in at the moment. 
Okay, well, Chelsea are in the final. Pochettino with a chance to win first silverware in English football. And it feels like he's been around forever. It'll be a big weight off of his back, but they'll find out who their opponents are in due course as Liverpool take on Fulham in the other semi-final to determine this season's Carabao Cup finalists. All right, next up on Football Social Daily, we're going to tackle some of the questions that you've sent in to us and you can send your thoughts over to us here on FSD by using the Telegram group. The link to that is in the description. It's basically like a WhatsApp chat. It's free to join. Come and join the conversation away from the podcast. Let us know some of the questions you want answering. You can also send them to us via social media and we'll do that next on FSD. See you after this. Welcome back to Football Social Daily, an award-winning Premier League podcast with me, Niall McCorn, Joel Tudor, and Marley Anderson with me as always. And we're going to tackle some of your questions now. You can send us your questions via social media or Telegram. All of the links are in the description of this podcast. So let's start with a question from a good friend of the podcast, Ant McGinley. He wants to know whether this is the dullest, slowest or cheapest transfer window ever. Certainly January transfer windows are always slower, duller. Well, maybe not always cheaper, actually, because, you know, clubs, they always like to charge a premium for selling players in January. But it does feel 24 days into the window, boys, that it has been particularly slow. Any reasons for that, do you think, Marley? Yeah, um, the PSR thing, that's all I can think of. Everybody's so scared to spend in in mid-season when you don't need to spend. because they're scared of the spreadsheet police coming and, and you know, taking them to jail, right? minus 10 points. It's probably put, just made, it makes people think like, for example, I know we've given Crystal Palace some stick lately, but when you're marooned in mid-table and you're not going down and you're not going for Europe, why, like, why spend? What's what's the point? It's not going to be the difference between anything. And I think we're seeing that a lot. Um, the big clubs uh, at the top of the league you know, they're kind of settled. They probably don't want to bring anyone in unless there's a glaring like hole in the squad, like an injury or whatever. So you're looking at the only people trying to spend are the ones that need to spend. Sheffield United bringing in, bringing Ben Brereton in. Like that's a great, great signing for them. I think he's already scored a goal. He scored a goal. Should have had another as well at the weekend, but scuffed his shot. Seems to have dropped uh, Diaz from his name a little bit. I'm seeing on lineups, so I don't know whether he's only Ben Brereton Diaz when he crosses onto Spanish soil <laughs> or Chilean soil. Um, but yeah, he's um, he's he's a good one. Um, but yeah, that's coming from Sheffield United, who need to spend. You know what I mean? And then you see everyone else, and the only ones that are trying to do things, um, uh, clubs like like Newcastle who have injuries but haven't got the money to do anything, um, and then. You know, players that are just out in the wilderness, like Calvin Phillips, um, who's on the verge of going to West Ham. But, you know, it's a, it's a six-month dry loan type thing. It's not exactly a Peter Rudd and Wingy set, sat in his car park on the 31st of um, January trying to work out what club he's going to. It used to be used to be, be like proper watchable carnage back in the day. Only a few years ago, really. But what it used to be was, was great. I remember Berbatov moving on the last day. Um, from Spurs to Man United, there was there was a bunch of sort of it was like box office TV, and now it's just, just dull. The fear of spending too much 
is obviously going to be exacerbated, Joel, by what we've seen happen to Everton this season. And of course, Nottingham Forest have found themselves charged by the Premier League for breaching profit and sustainability rules as well. So that's clearly going to play into some clubs thinking. And we always hear managers say at this time of year in every press conference when they're asked about possible transfers, they always say it's much easier to get the deals done in the summer window. And I don't think that's ever been different. January's always been more tricky. But now with these financial implications that clubs are being pulled up for you can understand why they're being a little bit more cautious yeah i think that's one of the main reasons to be honest january has always been notorious to be a little bit of an emergency transfer hasn't it i think for smaller clubs it's always been a case of if we've got injuries let's go and get a loan signing or let's try and find someone cheap to fill in a centre-back who's gone out injured for the rest of the season Whereas for the bigger clubs, it's just waiting for an opportunity. So if you look at the past, you see, for example, Alexis Sanchez going to Man United. That probably wasn't even on the radar in early January. And then suddenly it starts to pick up because they get wind that he wants to leave. And then, of course, the momentum starts to build. Another one could be, uh, for example, Virgil van Dijk when he went to Liverpool and there was all those bids being rejected and Southampton were almost really public about how you know Liverpool were treating the situation. It got a little bit messy. But these are just situations where sometimes you really just need to wait for the opportunity. I think Fernando Torres was probably the biggest one, you would say. On, was it the final day? And he leaves Liverpool where he hands in a transfer request. 50 million it, it, to Chelsea. Yeah, it's just all these very uh, serendipitous moments, you know, moments that have to arrive at a certain the timing just has to be perfect. Where if there's an unhappy camp, then he'll leave kind of thing. Here's a controversial follow on then, lads. Do we need the January transfer window? Can we get rid of it? Because all the deals are loans, aren't they? I am quite cautious when I say, let's get rid of the January window, albeit as a hypothetical, knowing how important the loan system is. But it is always loans, Joel, isn't it? No one's ever been bought permanently. I mean, that Fernando Torres 50 million quid deal, you'll never see that nowadays. Yeah, it's happening less and less and less as the years go by. I think the biggest one, was it last year or the year before when Newcastle brought, bought Bruno Guimaraes? But again, that's probably because it just randomly appeared on the radar. Now Bruno Fernandes was a January through. signing as well. Yeah, Bruno Fernandes was another one. Luis Suarez, obviously that was when he was at Ajax. He went to Liverpool. Uh, Nemanja Vidic, Patrice Evra. Along with Andy Carroll as well. Yeah, God, what a disaster that was. He was 35 million. He was more than Suarez. God, and that, I wonder what that is adjusted to today's one because that was years ago. Um, I think January is perfect for the smaller diamond in the rough transfers that don't come around in the summer. You just want to execute it and get it done. I know Brighton do a hell of a lot of business in, in January when it comes to you know signing the next Moises Caicedo or someone like that from Ecuador. But it is a luxury, isn't it, to be able to spend £75 million on Virgil van Dijk in January. I mean, what other club can really do that apart from the top six? So it is a very different complexion, isn't it? The lower half are looking to put plasters on issues in their squad and the top half are thinking, how can I go and win the title? I think we saw it last year in January when Arsenal were going for the league and they could have bought Mudrick for, what was it, 70, 80 million and Chelsea came in and blew them out of the water. I think they're the moments that probably are a luxury to the bigger clubs. I'm just thinking as well, some people will be of the opinion that what about when managers like Eddie Howe or Thomas Frank have got loads of injuries and they want to bring some players in on loan to cover? I mean, we used Ben Brereton Diaz as an example. Sheffield United badly need some impetus and they've brought in someone who's proven at the level below isn't quite working out for him in La Liga, but someone who's already hit the ground running with a goal. Now, if you take that opportunity away from clubs, obviously it might affect them 
detrimentally. But at the same time, we always complain, don't we, that managers don't use their young players enough. Academies hoard talent. They stockpile talent. I guess it gives the opportunity to players like Lewis Miley or someone like that, Marley. Brentford have got a lot of youngsters as well that Thomas Frank has had to put on the bench recently because of injuries. I guess it gives managers no choice but to use their academy talent, their under-21 talent, when they do have an injury crisis, if you do say, let's get rid of the January window. Yeah, I mean, um, some of the best talents that have came through in, in recent years are almost mistakes. Like, they, they weren't meant to play, but the situation um, required them to. I always remember back in 2016 or 17 when um, Marcus Rashford made his debut for Man United. He was nowhere near the first team, really, but everybody was injured. Do you remember on the day when uh, there was an injury to Anthony Martial and there was an injury to Will Keane at the time and then suddenly Rashford had to get drafted in? Yeah, was it against um, Midtjylland in the Europa League and he scored twice and then I think he scored against Arsenal at the weekend. And and he never looked back after that. That was it, you know, superstar straight uh, right there. And, you know, it's similar, maybe not quite similar, but something relatively similar has happened with Lewis Miley at Newcastle this season. Lewis Miley wasn't knocking on the door. Uh, our R21s, I say it all the time, we're not very good. Our under 21s, are, if, you're, if you're good enough in the 21s, you sort of get straight through, like Longstaff um, and Matty Longstaff, if you remember when he came through a couple of years ago and then just burned off pretty quickly. But Lewis Miley has, has obviously stepped in in a crisis and looked, you know, put in some performances that are unbelievable for his years. 17 years old, starting against PSG in the Champions League in our biggest game for 20 years. And he looked like one of the best midfielders on the pitch. Didn't look out of place with Bruno Gamares um, and, you know, Ugarte and whoever they had in midfield for PSG. But absolutely, he was just there. So sometimes you do need to trust him. But with the money in the game, you know, it's it's just, it becomes that, that big of a thing now. If you chuck a kid in and he's not quite good enough and you've left a guy on the bench that's earning 50, 60K a week or whatever, or he's transfer values a lot, you you set a rod for your own back, really, and that's that's kind of sad because I do think a lot more clubs can do with the can do more with their youth system than they are doing. There's not that many clubs out there that have a genuine path to the first team a lot of the time. But you know, as long as they keep coming through eventually, um, you know, you you're all right. And if not, Portsmouth will take you on. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. I definitely think it's an interesting concept, isn't it? The possibility of doing away with the January window. I don't think it will ever happen. For example, they did try to move the summer transfer window to an earlier deadline and no other European league agreed to that, which actually put the Premier League in a weakened position when it comes to attracting the top talent. Effectively, if the Premier League decide they want to do away with January, that makes the Premier League weaker, doesn't it? Because you need all the other European leagues to agree for it to become a more rounded thing, if you will. It's funny because in January, if you look across the board of all the European clubs, they're all just selling. And it's pretty much the Premier League clubs. I guess if you only look at, for example, Bayern Munich or Real Madrid, Barcelona, well, maybe not Barcelona these days, but the top European clubs who've got money, they're the only ones who delve into the January transfer market. Every other club are either loaning or selling. 
And to be honest, I think the European clubs like that, to be honest, because you'll get a desperate Premier League club coming to them on the 31st of January saying, please, Borussia Dortmund, we want to buy your player for 70-odd million, which is about three times over the market value because we're desperate. And that's their revenue. That's their business model, which is desperate English clubs come to them and buy them their players. Or you get Bayern Munich or take them on a Bosman transfer and absolutely mess them around. But in terms of the actual transfer fees, it's English clubs that are pretty much... Um, manoeuvring the market in Europe because you look at the differences in how much is being spent every single year. The Premier League are literally combining all of the European leagues to what they're actually spending. So it is is actually good for the ecosystem of Europe in football if you think about it that way. That's why I think it's a pretty important transfer market. But then you also have the threat of the Saudi issues of what the European leagues are to the Premier League is what Saudi is becoming to the Premier League. In terms of Saudi are giving Premier League clubs a lifeline now in terms of extra revenue, transfer fees. I don't know how long that's going to last for because we're seeing a lot of players starting to become discontent, which is quite embarrassing, I think, for the Saudi image. But it, that's that's how, that's the way it's going. You're going to get new players and new contenders who are going to start bringing money into the ecosystem. It is a shame the drama of the transfer windows have, have started to decline, I've noticed. I think it's obviously up to the media but the way in which we're actually taking the information it's changed and I think clubs are a little bit privy to that well the most important thing on Football Social Daily is coming up next it's not the January transfer window it's not Chelsea getting to the cup final it's Marley's quiz and it's me against Joel we'll get to it next on FSD see you after this Final part of today's podcast, Football Social Daily, and it's Marley's turn to take centre stage as the quiz master. He's going to be putting me and Joel through our paces with a midweek quiz. There's not loads to talk about in the Premier League. We say it's the most entertaining and exciting league in the world, but this last week or two, I know we haven't had as many games because of the winter break. It's not exactly been riveting conversation, so we'll give Marley a chance to try and bring some entertainment to the cause with a quiz. <laughs> Take it away, mate. Yeah, well, I keep beating Joel in quizzes, so I'd, so I'd, I'd become the quiz master. And well, so keep... he can lose to me instead this time. Yeah, so he can, <laughs> he, can, uh, he can assume his spot at the bottom of the ring. He can lose to someone else instead. All right, sounds good. Yeah, um, so basically the quiz runs as uh, inspired by everybody's famous, uh, everybody's favourite FIFA guy, Gianni Infantino. So obviously he came up with the uh, the whole today I feel um, <laughs> spiel, didn't he at the um, at the World Cup last year, and everyone laughed at him. So I thought I'd do something similar. So the premise is I'm going to be thinking of a player. I'm going to be describing a player in Gianni Infantino style, um, and what you two have got to do is simply just work out who I'm talking about. So they kind of they start off a bit hard the first couple of clues. And they get they get easier, um, but obviously the the sooner you get it, um, the more you um, the more you the quicker you win basically. So there's five, so it should be three two at least to someone. So it's first to buzz in. Yeah, just shout out the name, um, and we'll uh, and we'll uh, we'll go from there. So if you're ready, yeah. Good luck, Joel. The first one. Good, good luck, Joel. Look at him, ever the sportsman. <laughs> Today I feel like I used to play. For PSG, Fenerbahce and Eintracht Frankfurt before moving to the Premier League. I love how we both look at each other like, has he got it yet? <laughs> <laughs> Today I feel 50 years old. This next one's a good one. Not easy, but entertaining. Today I feel like my real name is Augustine Azuka. 
which was passed down from my elder brother. Davos Suka. Nope. Just sounded a little bit like it. Two Guy. Nope. Just guessing random 90s footballers now that might be 50. (laughs) That's my logic. (laughs) Today I feel Nigerian. Not Yakubu? Uh, Yakubu came from Israel. Well, he came from Nigeria, but he signed signed from Israel. (laughs) Yeah. Final clue. Struggling. You should get it on this. Today I feel... Like a cult hero. Amiobi. At, nope. At Bolton Wanderers. JJ Okocha. Okocha. Niall got it just in time. <laughs> just in time. So God, that was tough, to, but good. I mean, I enjoyed today that. Today I found out, I mean, this isn't the next clue, this is just me talking. Today I found out that Augustine Azuka, he's not even called JJ, he's called Augustine Azuka Okocha. Um, and his brother was called James. Um, so he got past that name. The nickname JJ and it stuck. Learn something new every day. So he could have been A.A. Akocha, Augustine Azuka, you never know. So anyway, right, 1-0 to Niall. Next person. Today I feel like the chairman of Albion San Diego in California. Love that club. Today I feel like one of Senegal's finest strikers. Samuel Eto'o. No, mainly because he was Cameroonian. Next one. Yeah. Today I feel like I proved Tony Pulis wrong when he described my knee as a ticking time bomb. Demba Bar. Demba Bar. Yes, Demba Bar. Today I feel like I love syrup. Was that the next one? Uh, it wasn't, no. Uh, the next one was uh, today I feel like I cost Liverpool the Premier League title when playing for Chelsea. <laughs> Very good. I think I would have got it oh, on that one if I didn't I get it on the, the one before. I syrup thing in there. That would have been, been good. One, today I love syrup. <laughs> Oh yes, good. He's so he's the chairman of an American team. Yeah, now, is he's he? uh, he's chairman of Albion San Diego, who are in the American equivalent of the championship, so one below MLS. I think it's called the North America Soccer League or something like that. Fair play, Denver Foot. Yeah. Um, next one, right? Two 0 to Niall, Joel. Go on, little, you... little quiet over there, Joel. Yeah, get your finger out. <laughs> uh, we'll do all five, by the way, just because I've I've put effort into this quiz, so I'm using all five. <laughs> <laughs> uh, the next one. Today I feel like I am remembered for having a superb wand of a left foot. Laurent Robert. No, but I knew you'd go for that. I thought, he, I, he thought crossed, I thought. He crossed my mind, but I couldn't keep doing Newcastle things because people... That was, that, was, that was the quiz equivalent of taking a shot from kickoff. Oh, I, went for it. I went for it. Audacious attempt. I went <laughs> from for halfway. <laughs> just floated Cheeky over the bar. Dink. Today I feel fit as I am still playing at 42 years old in my native country. This next one's a bit wishy-washy as well. It's not my strongest clue, but it's... Hopefully you get my gist. Today I feel like someone whose name you must say the full name of... Martin when... Gams Pedersen. There it is! Oh! 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 Come on! <laughs> come from? Honestly, I don't know why it just all clicked to me, but when you said 42 still playing and he's got a one of a left foot, I just remember seeing a, a story of him still yeah. playing somewhere. I don't know why it came well, that to That is me. an incredible answer. That is as good as one of Morton Gams Pedersen's shots from uh, from range from Blackburn. Oh, that was... He was in cruise control and then the opposition have just plucked a 40-yard screamer out of nowhere. And now <laughs> the like stadium's the getting a little Champions bit tense. <laughs> yeah. Niall already was looking at the trophy, giving it a little rub on the way past. That was... Uh, that was that was a fantastic get from Joel. He's back in the game. It's 2-1. The next ones I had were today, I feel like I'm a Blackburn Rovers cult hero. Don't need them, uh, Marley. Don't need them. I know. I only and need today I feel like I never scored a bad foot. goal in my career. So. 
Yeah, he's in. Uh, he's in Norway playing in the uh, the Norwegian Championship, so one below the the Tippelagen, I think it's called. Uh, right, two one. Next one. Need this today. I feel like I could have played for three countries, but chose England. I was thinking Musiala, but I think <laughs> next one. Owen Hargreaves. Oh, there it is. Yeah. <laughs> Oh, that is a joke. <laughs> He's only pinched it from was it? Canada, <laughs> Canada, England. Uh, the three countries were Canada, England, and Wales, not Germany. Um, but but if he'd not chose England, he could have acclimatized oh, to Wales. Germany. I think, oh, not Germany, and got citizenship, and then and then done that. I think. Um, but the other the other clues yeah, were today. I feel yeah. like I didn't play in England until the age of twenty six, having spent all his uh, senior career in Germany. Today I feel like injuries robbed me of a better career. Uh, and today I feel like I played more times for England, 42 caps, by the way. 42 caps is mad. I didn't think it was that many. He played loads under Sven. Sven loved he him. He was class during that period. So today I feel like I played more times for England than both Manchester clubs combined. So he made 27 appearances for Man United and one for Man City in the Premier League. Um, combined 28, which is 14 fewer than he played for England. So three one to Nile. Um, the next one's a bit of a a, a, a non-event, but I'll I'll do it anyway. Just like Denver running through Joel, you slipped and I slotted away. <laughs> Today I feel like the only Kenyan player ever to play in the Premier League. Wanyama. Wanyama. There you go. Nice and easy. <laughs> Don't like him, so carry on. <laughs> Didn't he put out a really infamous tweet? I like spaghetti when it. I had spaghetti today. Yeah, it was very was nice. Right. I think he put out. <laughs> <laughs> How Twitter used to be back in the day. Oh, the, very innocent. the wild, wild People west. just updating yeah. their day. You could, you could have done Rooney. You could have been, today I knocked out Phil Bardsley by mistake. No, today I'm picking you up in the morning, pal. That was the one. Today, Yeah, today I <laughs> the granny. <laughs> so is that it? Is that all five done? That's all five. Um, I have actually been sent another random quiz question um, on, on Telegram. If you if you wanted to have a go at it, but I don't think you'll I don't think any of you'll get it. Take it away. We'll see what we've got. All right. What do Morecambe, Vitesse Arnhem, Maccabee Haifa, and Reading all have in common? Oh sh. <laughs> Other than that, <laughs> um, they've all got a seafood in their bad. <laughs> no, not quite. Decent effort. Though. <laughs> I was only thinking of the Morecambe. Are they called the shrimp, Shrimpers? Or they something? are called the Shrimpers. And to be fair, Reading have a nautical theme. I think they've got a, a, a ship steering wheel, haven't they, on there? On there? See, uh, I see where no, I was coming Redding from don't. there. Reading don't. Do they not? Oh, no, they're called the Royals, aren't they? Oh, is it somewhere? All oh, right. Anyway, it's not that. It's they've all done something which which a certain very good Premier League team haven't. Won three in a row? I don't think Morecambe have won one in a row. <laughs> <laughs> Shall I put you out your misery? They've all scored at the Tottenham Hotspur Stadium, something which Manchester City still haven't done in five appearances. Rubbish. What a rubbish question that is, by the way. <laughs> Never going to get they, it, will you? Are they still not scored there? That is crazy. It's only been open four years. Yeah, I mean, with, with the team City have got, have they not scored one? That's crazy. Yeah, hey, Morecambe have scored there, haven't they? So. I mean, if the Shrimpers are doing it, then... The, the high point of winning the quiz was immediately dashed by Marley's tough question at the end there. <laughs> <laughs> it's completely I feel deflated now it's, I feel deflated to be fair it was Matt on Telegram who's sent it me so 
it's, it's nothing to. <laughs> I, I would never have come up with that question. Fair play. Made that's, us feel that's a tough dumb one. as that's hell. One. My well next done. one would start reeling off like Papi Cece's middle name and saying like, "Oh, today I feel like my middle name is whatever." <laughs> <laughs> well, you can join the Telegram group. You can send us some questions. You can join the discussion, and if you do, you will become the fiftieth person to join our Telegram chat. So make sure you go and do that by clicking the link in the description. It is free to join. Come and join the conversation. It's basically a big group chat where we talk all things Premier League. We have a bit of a laugh as well in there so go and click the link to join it you can also follow us on all social media pages links to those are in the description as well and the best thing to do to stay in the loop with the podcast is hit subscribe or follow on your favorite podcast platform wherever you listen to shows and that way when we release a new episode you'll be notified right away but from joel marley and i that's it for today's football social daily we'll speak to you again tomorrow see you then football social daily is a voice works sport production for the sport social podcast network